0: You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciple's journey with me. This is a call for anyone who is tired of church being a programmed organization. I want to be an amateur, at least in the sense that how I lead, preach, and serve is based on love. And one of the things that we grow in our love for Jesus Christ and with others is by reading Scripture and applying Scripture. And this week we are beginning our reading through the book of Psalms. Now we've got two weeks that gonna we're gonna read about 30 Psalms. Now, altogether there's 150 of them, so we're only seeing about a fifth of them in our daily Bible reading, but I want to walk us through the importance of the Psalms, why we have them, what they were used for in uh, biblical times, what they're used for now, and how they can draw us closer to Jesus Christ. Remember, as we look at today specifically theology or theological truths, what we can learn about God through the Psalms, we want to look at the context, the culture, and ultimately how they point us to Christ. I want to begin just really by reading one of the psalms you're going to read this week. Psalm 18, verse 1. I just want to read a few verses. Verse 1 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved From my enemies. Jump down to verse 30. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? And then finally, jump down verse 46. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God. Of my salvation, the very last verse, verse, uh, very last two verses, forty-nine and fifty. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. He gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Psalm eighteen is one of these great songs uh, of David that. encouraged the nation of Israel and still encourages us today to glorify God, to lift him up through singing and uh, musical instrumentation. So what exactly is a psalm? I want to ask several questions today to really give you an overview because the book of Psalms is different than any other book in the Bible. The Hebrew title for the collection was Tehillim, and that actually meant uh, praise songs. And so we get kind of the, the, the point of these uh, these writings were were to encourage praise by the people of God through uh, through singing. And the Greek title is Psalmoi, where we get psalms, and it's songs to the accompaniment of stringed instrument. The central message of the book is praise the Lord. That's exactly what we saw in Psalm 18. And we see that in almost every single chapter, every single Psalm, again, 150. So what is the purpose of these? When we look at the book of Psalms, you may instinctively know, maybe from reading uh, some of the Psalms, singing some of them, hearing sermons on them, or maybe you're new to Christianity and you're opening this book and you say, hey, this looks so different than any of the other scriptures. What's the point? Well, they were used as an inspired prayer and praise book for the nation of Israel in their temple worship. In fact, we uh, you could call them uh, scripture songs, songs of scripture. Uh, we, we sometimes refer to the book of Psalms as the Bible's hymn book uh, or praise book. The Jews today use them still in their synagogue. They'll read from them, sing from them. And we as Christians, uh, you know, Christians of the New Testament, sang them according to Colossians 3, 16 and James five thirteen. And so we take that same example and we apply them even to our uh, worship services in our lives. Uh, ultimately, we want to use them to express worship of God from our personal lives. Now, uh, you may be asking who wrote the Psalms. Well, uh, the number one author, the number one person that people think of automatically is David. And this is true because he wrote at least 73 of them. Uh, so almost half of the Psalms we can attribute to, to, to David and, and see that uh, in, his, uh, in, in his writings, in his uh, earlier years, but then also later years, that he was composing these songs as worship to God. But we also know that Asaph, wrote 12 of them, uh, chapter uh, Psalm 50 and then Psalms 73 through 83 were written by one of these court officials named Asaph. Uh, the descendants of Korah, you'll see their name throughout the Psalms. They wrote 10 of them, uh, Psalm 42, 44 through 49, 84 and 85, and Psalm 87. We know that Solomon wrote two of them, Psalm 72 and 127. Ethan wrote one, Psalm 89. Heman wrote one, Psalm 88. And then Moses wrote one, Psalm 90, the very famous psalm. Uh, And then when you add all those up, you realize that you've got about 50 left that are anonymous. But ultimately, many people attribute them to David. So David could have written, uh, David definitely wrote uh, half of the the Psalms, could have written uh, really three-quarters of the Psalms. And, uh, And so it's very important to see that these are believers of God, some kings, some priests, some court officials, And some prophets. I want you to think about that. We've got the worship of God by priests, prophets, and king to declare the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ, our great priest, prophet, and king. (coughs) Now, how are they organized? So 150 Psalms, do we just have just a uh, one large book of 150, or are they separated? Well, they are. They're separated into five different divisions, and these divisions, uh, some scholars have kind of paralleled them with the five books of the law, and I want to walk you through that. So when you look at the Midrash, which was a Jewish commentary of the law, it explained that the law has a five-fold book uh, of uh, Jehovah to the congregation, while the Psalms were grouped as a five-fold book of the congregation to Jehovah. So what I mean by that is the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, that's God's instructions to uh, his people in five books. Many The Midrash and many uh, commentators have said that this book of Psalms are really five books of praise from the congregation to God. And so one way that it has been divided, I'm not saying it's the absolute correct way, because there are many different opinions, but it's it's something that I've kind of remembered and and, uh, and held on to, and this helps with our theology from the book of Psalms, because sometimes we just kind of uh, shotgun style just say, okay, well, there's this Psalm and this Psalm and this Psalm, and we just read it and, you know, just keep going on. But when you understand a good systematic layout, it helps us to really see uh, that there was intentionality in this. So for instance, book one of the Psalms is Psalm 1 through 41. So when you read Psalms 1 through 41, they were collected into one book. And you see, in fact, at the end of chapter 41, um, you, you see this phrase, uh, verse 13, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting and uh, to everlasting. Amen and amen. Now what's interesting is uh, when you, that that is the ending of that first book. You can see that Summarized Well, then the second book consists of Psalm 42 through 72. At the end of 72, it says in verse 20, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And so what you see is you do have this sort of intentional uh, separation of the Psalms. Well, if that's true, and we see that in, in each one, what do the books represent? Well, this doxology at 41 verse 13, uh, we, we see that book one relates to Genesis through Israel and man. When you see uh, this, uh, Psalms 1 through 41, scholars have said this represents the creation by God in His glory of creating Israel and man and really is a nationalistic uh, focus and a uh, personal focus of God's. Uh, involvement in that, and and so that that could possibly be one of the one of the ways to read those collection of psalms. Book two begins, like I said, at chapter forty-two, and goes through seventy-two. And what you read primarily in uh, w- within uh, these psalms is uh, deliverance. That's a key word in these in these passages. Well. When we look at the book of Exodus, if you were to take this and systematically walk through, if Genesis is about creation and calling, Exodus is about deliverance. And so many Jewish scholars especially have related those together. Well, then you pick up in Psalm 73, and that begins the uh, the third book. And uh, what's interesting is that in Psalm 73, we have the Psalm of Asaph, who is a court official in the temple, and so remember um, that the second book ends. A lot of the writings of David, uh, and picks up in Psalm seventy-three with Asaph, and then you go. This is the shortest of them. Then you go to chapter eighty uh, or Psalm eighty-nine, verse fifty-two. And that's the end of the book, and there's a doxology there. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And what you have is this relates, if it's from a priest, it relates to Leviticus through the sanctuary. Do you catch kind of the theme of these books? So Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus. Well, then book four opens up with Psalm 90. And Psalm 90 through 106, again, another very short book. uh, But Psalm 90 through 106 begins uh, with uh, Psalm 90 being a prayer of Moses. And so he is writing in this time. And then you see that we get... uh, a lot of Psalms about security and praise and worship and God's power and dominion. And many, uh, many scholars have said this relates to numbers through Moses and the wilderness, that there is a sense of security and, and deliverance much like, uh, much like in the book of Exodus. Then Psalm, uh, one Oh seven begins, uh, with Well, let, let me let me back up. Psalm 106 ends uh, with this uh, great uh, great verse in 48. It says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen, praise the Lord. So again, there's this nice little ending to that book collection uh, of, of psalms. And then you have the beginning in Psalm 107, the beginning of the fifth and final book of psalms, uh, and... Uh, we see that this relates to Deuteronomy mainly through the law and the land. This is where you get uh, your Psalms of, uh, uh, Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, those 15 Psalms that relate to the temple and singing praises to God. This is uh, how, how you get uh, the uh, praise songs towards the end of the book of Psalms, uh, the very short passage. Uh, statements about praising the lord with the in in, in his sanctuary and with the uh, musical instruments and it closes out Psalm 150, as a psalm of praise, praise the Lord, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So I wanted to kind of walk you through that. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've uh, uh, noticed the divisions in your study Bible of the book of Psalms, but it kind of opens us up to, uh, again, this is just one possible explanation. We do know there are five books of Psalms that make up the book of Psalms. And those are the divisions that I just walked you through. It could relate to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But even if they don't, <clears throat> even if there was another purpose to that consisting of these types of writings, we do know that they were intentionally for the praise to God. In the midst of the five different books, there are actually different types of Psalms. So don't just think about the genre of the uh, of the books and and what purpose they might have had, but. But there are individual psalms within those books that are, uh, are, are are different types. For instance, there are instructive psalms, and what I mean by that, you could call them educational, meaning there are psalms that give us wisdom, much like the proverbs. Psalm one, Psalm five, Psalm fifty, Psalm one hundred one. You know, those are some of the instructive psalms. Then we get psalms of history, like uh, Psalm seventy-eight, Psalm one hundred five, Psalm one hundred six, Psalm one thirty-six, that give you an overview of. Israel's history and what God has done throughout that. There are Psalms of confession, Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 102, Psalm 145, but probably the most famous one would be Psalm 51, the Psalm of David. There are Psalms of supplication in which a person is praying for someone else or, or a nation. It's Psalm 86 is a good, uh, good picture of that. Psalms of thanksgiving, of course, Psalm 16, Psalm 18, the one I read earlier, thanking God for what He has done. And then there are imprecatory Psalms, Psalm 35, 52, 58, 109, 137, 140, and would you realize that even part of Psalm 139, one of the most famous ones, um, we find imprecatory verses where the psalmist is praying against his own enemy. There is, of course, uh, what many have called messianic psalms, and let me kind of give you a a, uh, a, a a a certain opinion that I have. I, I don't really like calling psalms messianic because I think when you look at the whole book of psalms, every psalm points to the Messiah Jesus Christ. But there are specific, and this is um, uh, this is kind of where I would where, where I would agree that there are specific messianic prophetic psalms. And one of the most important ones is Psalm 22, where we see, uh, it begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And 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 then there's a lot of discussion about uh, the, uh, the crucifixion. And, and so it's a messianic prophetic psalm. So while I believe all the psalms or the entirety of the book of Psalms is messianic, it points to Christ, there are prophetic messianic psalms. In that. Uh, and then I would say that one of the most interesting Psalms, in fact, most interesting chapters of the entire uh, Bible, is Psalm 119. 176 verses that uh, declare almost every one of them, everyone except for two verses, declare something about the Word of God. So as you read uh, 15 Psalms this week and then 15 next week, uh, understand. I want you to walk through and I want you to kind of kind of look for, okay, what is this saying? What is this doing? We, we realize it's all praise, but is this instructing? Is this giving a history? Is this confession? Is this supplication? Is this thanksgiving? Is this imprecatory? Is it messianic in and of itself. And so uh, I, I'd like to challenge you to look at Psalms maybe a different way than you have before. And so as we, uh, we kind of land the plane on this teaching today, I want to simply ask a question. How do we read them? How should we read the Psalms? Well, the first way that I would encourage you is read them prayerfully. So, especially when you uh, when, when you read Psalm one, the very beginning uh, of of the book, we see its uh, its intentionality in saying, "How blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers." This is a very instructive Psalm but it's one written so that we can prayerfully ask, how can I be that man? How can I be that blessed man? And so we read it prayerfully, uh, as if understanding that the person who wrote it was worshiping. We read it meditatively. Now, this is a different way than just prayerfully. Prayerfully is communication to God, uh, seeking how do we pray this psalm to God. Meditation would be, how then do we listen to God through this? And we want to meditate. We want to chew on. We want to digest this psalm and allow it to speak to us. So so see both sides of that. Prayerfully, we're speaking to God. We're praying the psalm to God. We're, we're, we're wanting that to encourage our worship in that way. Meditatively, we're asking to receive from God. We're listening to God. We're memorizing it and putting it in our hearts to change us. And then we want to read it honestly. One of the things I appreciate about the psalms is it's honest discussion with God. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's asking God, what are you doing here? I don't understand. Uh, but ultimately, it's the honest cry of the heart. We, we also read them joyfully. Psalms, yes, there are some some bad things that we will read in that as far as situations and circumstances. And he cries out, God, uh, I was overcome, and you, my adversaries, Psalm three, have increased. Many are rising up against me, uh, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. And so, so the the writer David is is crying out in the situation. Really, we believe with Absalom his son, he's crying out and saying, yes, there is uh, there's pain, but I am joyful because you, God or my shield. And so we read it joyfully. But finally, we read it actively. Do not read psalms passively as a book that has nothing to do with our lives. This these scriptures written 3000 years ago some of them. We can apply them to us today if we will actively be active in your prayer, meditation, honesty and joy with Christ. And so finally, we read them focused on Jesus that we realize that Christ is worthy of our praise. And you may today be wondering, what can I get from the Psalms? Well, the Psalms can really change your attitude if you will apply them to your heart and read them in light of how the original author meant it in in its context, in the culture, and pointed to Christ, then it could change your heart and mind even today. As we close out, I want to give you a prayer point. Pray today that in reading the Psalms, this week and next week, that God would encourage your worship, that it would be intentional, and maybe he can even consider how you might write your own psalm based on the pattern we see in these passages. I hope you have a great week with me, walking through not just the theological truths today, but devotion questions, apologetics, evangelism, and worship from the book of Psalms. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.